Welcome to Nowhere Close to Famous, where we have extraordinary conversations with ordinary people. I'm your host, Josh Story, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Brooke Seal. Hey, people. And we have another, uh, I think, very fun, exciting episode today because we get to sit down with our good friend, Hillary Omeroy. I, I think she's one of the coolest people I know. She, oh, yeah, without a doubt. I'm so impressed by who she is and yeah. what she does, and we got to talk a ton about that. We talked about what it was like to move to several different cities as yeah. a young adult and say no to some really cool opportunities to say yes to other things. And I feel like the theme of her episode was when your plans don't work out or don't go the way you think they are. Yeah, totally. And she is just, I think, so cool and so humble. We talked a lot about discipline and just kind of what her day-to-day looks like as a young mom of three little ones at yeah. a very in a very short time at a young age. Totally. And, um, what it's like being back in her hometown in Southern California really fun combo. I'm so excited for people to hear it. Yeah, totally. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Hillary Omeroy. Hillary, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. We're yeah, so excited. Thanks um, for zooming in. You're zooming in from California. So it's a little earlier there. From California. The sun is out. The sun's out there. It's not here. No. So that's nice. You look awesome in the sunlight. Thank you. Yeah, I, I also forget how time zones work. I'm like, it's so bright and it's yeah. so dark here, but that's because of oh, time zone. Yeah. You know what really messes with you <laughs> on time zones is Zoom. Yes. You're always like, did it catch that I'm in a different time zone <laughs> and has it already switched? Right. Or has totally. it not yet switched? Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to turn in at the wrong time. Yeah. 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 No, I feel that. Um, so, so many things that we want to talk to you about. Um, but let's go back first. Uh, you were born in San Clemente? Yes. Whoop. San Clemente, California. Which is where you also live now. Yes. So my my parents lived here. They've been in the same house for 35 years. So born and raised, same place. And then moved away for about six. And then now we're like streets away from where I grew up. So That's awesome. I, yeah. I think it says a lot about a person to grow up in a place and then like choose to go back to that place. Like mm. did did you really enjoy it growing up? Okay, so actually no. <laughs> I, I think I did in my younger years. But the thing about a small town, which is where I grew up, is how, any how small you make Okay, maybe not that small. We're talking <laughs> probably you know, I'm not even going to throw a number out Yeah. because I have literally have no idea. Yeah. But one high school, okay. one high school okay. for the whole city. There you go. Yeah. So anyone who does anything knows everything about you. And the other thing that seems pretty characteristic of San Clemente is that not a lot of people leave. And so the same people that grew up here, well, let me set that straight. You have two people. One person is I'm moving out and I'm never coming back. And <laughs> that's usually what happens. And the second type of person is like, I'm going to go to the community college as close as I can to San Quentin, and then I'm going to live here forever. So growing up, I was definitely on track A. Like, I'm going to get out of here. I I think I had made enough mistakes that I was like, you know, I think I need a, a clean slate. I need to go somewhere different. And so growing up or raising my kids here now seems... Like, if you were asking anyone of my family or friends, it would have been complete opposite of what I would have said Yeah. in high school. Yeah. Uh, how would you describe high school Hillary? High school Hillary. Well, I think high school Hillary didn't really know who Hillary was. I guess even now I'm still figuring myself out. But, um, yeah, 
I think I cared a lot what people thought. So I think I was whoever people wanted me to be, um, which in high school is a super scary place to be because there's a lot of different people who want different things from you. (laughs) Um, I always like to say there's there's a few different types of people in high school. There's the people that care a lot about what their parents think, <laughs> yeah. which usually, which usually maybe not, like doesn't do great for your soul in some areas, but gets you on a somewhat yeah. decent path. It, and it keeps you. It keeps you alive. <laughs> it keeps, keeps you, you alive <laughs> and unharmed. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the group that I fell in that cared a lot about what my friends thought, um, not a lot about what my parents thought. So. Um, not a super safe place to be so just making a lot of not the smartest choices and I think I was always the person I wasn't a bad kid in high school I just didn't want to follow rules and I definitely didn't want to follow my parents rules um and I wanted to make that super clear so (laughs) totally (laughs) to my parents and to my friends um so by sophomore year I kind of left me in a place where I'd damaged a lot of friendships, had a really rough relationship with my parents. Um, and so my junior year of high school, I went away, um, did the foreign exchange program and ended up in Italy for six months. As a high schooler. Kind of, as a high schooler. Yeah. That shows you the type of kid I was. That's um, so young like to, have to ruined, do something that way. To have yeah. ruined your life so much by <laughs> 16 that you're like, I don't care where I go. Yeah, I'm gonna go to Italy. <laughs> I'm going to go to Italy. (laughs) Yeah. How long were you in Italy? I was there for six months. Okay. Did that make you want to be a rule follower? Did that like make you want to go back to high school and like walk the straight and narrow? Or did that encourage more of the kind of MO that got you there? I think a little of both. I think that as a 16 year old, the thought of being a foreign exchange student, which again, back to, back to my small town, I was the first kid from my high school to ever do a foreign exchange oh, really? program. Because yeah. everyone else is like, why would I leave this place? <laughs> right. It's sunny, there's surf, like what, why are people going anywhere else? Um, but yeah, I think, go, so the thought of going to Italy was, I'm going to do whatever I want. I, like, I finally don't have the rules I thought I had. And then ending up in Italy was this moment of like, holy crap. Like I have... <laughs> I have, like, Italian parents who don't speak English. I have an Italian family here who, like, they care about me, but, like, do they really care about me? I'm just this random American girl living with them. Um, I'm in a foreign country. I don't speak the language. I don't know anyone here. And so it went from this, like, I mean, small town, like, how much trouble could you really get in because you have this safety net of your parents in your community and so it kind of felt invincible in some ways like well I mean I might end up I don't know breaking some rules but like I'm not really going to be the person that ends up down this path of whatever like it kind of felt there was a little guardrail there um versus yeah in Italy it was like oh my gosh I could really end up in a place I don't want to be so from that aspect I think it it sheltered me a lot when I was there, Um, but then moving back into the small town feel definitely made me want to leave again of like, there's a whole world out here and we're just in this bubble. 
I should say, I bet it made it feel even smaller because you got such a taste because you didn't just, it's not like you even just went to a bigger city. You left the country, especially at that oh. young. So I feel like that probably led you to, because did you go back right before your senior year of high school? Yeah. So, yeah. So I was there um, from like second semester, junior year. So I come back senior, like the summer going into senior year which also is like a social experiment. Like take a high schooler out of a small town high school, pull them out, send them to a foreign country for six months, and then drop them right back. So it felt like I had all this change in my life. I had been in this country not speaking English. Um, There was little Wi-Fi, so not much connection to anyone. And then you drop them right back, and it's like everyone's talking about prom and with all the same people. (laughs) And you're like, what? You're like, well, I've got some good stories. Yeah. Yeah, so it's so different from college where you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to start this new life. It was like, oh, I kind of figured out who I was, but now I'm dropped right back into all the things that I was so confused about to begin with. So now I'm even more confused because I have to be here for a year working in, I mean, high school in general feels like a social experiment. but (laughs) Totally. (laughs) It totally is. (laughs) But, But to top it off, going away and coming back. So one of the things that, was really shocking uh, to me when we first met was that you played college soccer for like a little bit, right? No, not college, just high school. Oh, okay. For I some reason, I both my that. sister. Both your sisters, okay. For some reason, I thought. Yeah, I was. You I played. was a black sheep. I was the one <laughs> who like my parents invested all the money in, and it didn't didn't work out. <laughs> well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I feel like we'll get to that later in the interview. But yeah. I, you're doing great. You're. I want to be like you when I grow up. So thank you. (laughs) My question in that was going to be like, I feel like to be a really good athlete, that takes a lot of discipline. How did the I'm a rule breaker, but also I'm an athlete. How did those coincide? It's a great question. I think that actually maybe shocking to some people. I have little amounts of discipline. I think that I put practices in my life that force me to be disciplined because I know naturally that I'm not a super disciplined person. Um, I I think back to high school, I was always, I mean, growing up, I played club soccer forever and I was always the coach's nightmare where they would look at me and be like, this person has a ton of potential, but not a lot of discipline. And so I think that was one of the things outside of high school that I feel like now, in my lofty age of 28, I've like really tried to put things in practice that would force me to be disciplined because I think it's something where I know if I'm in a structure of discipline, I'm not the person that's gonna be over-disciplined. Like I'm always fighting the discipline, but I know that it's the things that kind of like shuffle me into the right, to the right, Yeah. I don't know, path. I think so it, I don't know if that answers. I think that's yeah. I think that's interesting you say that. I think the idea of discipline kind of fascinates me because I would not describe myself as a disciplined person. Like I just don't think I am. Like healthy habits is what a lot of people think about when they think about discipline of like, mm-hmm. oh, like if you're a believer, you have your quiet time every morning from like seven to eight, or oh, like if you're in really good shape, you work out or you go run every day, or oh, your diet's really disciplined. Right. All these things are related to like a very measurable task oriented idea. But I don't think that's all discipline is. Like, I think at its root, discipline is, okay, here's what I believe about who I am and what matters, and those things are what drive what I do and don't do. So, like, 
because I, I told a mentor of mine one time, he asked me, he was like, how are you doing in, in these certain disciplines? Like, are you reading a ton? Are you, are you being healthy? Blah, blah, blah. Like, do you have accountability? And I was like, honestly, I don't think I'm that disciplined. And he stopped me and he was like, I don't think that's your problem. He said, you're one of the most disciplined people I know. You are honorable and you're honest and you have integrity. Mm -hmm. He said, that's all discipline. He said, those are just habits that may or may not be present. He said, but I think at your core, you're a disciplined person. Cause it's like, oh, I have the discipline to deny myself like selfishness. Like I'm, I'm a good friend and I work my butt off at work and I'm, I show up when I say I'm going to, that's all discipline. And mm -hmm. like to your credit, which again, we'll get into this as the interview unfolds, but you're a business owner, you're a wife, you're a mom of three of the cutest little kids I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Also, because we're friends and we follow each other on Instagram, I know that you're a distance runner. So like, that's like a picture of discipline. And again, not to like make you uncomfortable and overly affirm you this early <laughs> in the interview. I usually, I like to spread it out. But I think from knowing you and from knowing so many people who love you and look up to you, you are super disciplined because you're kind and you're consistent and you're a hard worker. That's, that's discipline, right? I think that's so fascinating how different people define it mm. and how we, mm -hmm. we view ourselves so much differently than the outside world, whether it's a friend or a complete stranger. Like if a complete stranger sure. met you or a lot of people that listen to this podcast aren't going to know you and they're like, oh my gosh, she's so disciplined. But you start out, oh my God, I'm the least, dis like I'm not disciplined at all. And it's like, well, that's well, a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think what's interesting about that and as I'm like learning more and more about myself I think that it it's the healthy habits that like grow in me this discipline that I I think like I look back to high school I don't think I put into practice these habits that I knew would make me into the person that I wanted to be that I felt like God wanted me to be and so so much of it was like I think about um even now like we're, my husband and I are training for a marathon and it's funny because everyone always asks like well are you a runner and I'm like well uh, like at what point do you become a runner because <laughs> like yes I'm running but be, I'm running because I'm training and like if you would have asked me six months ago was I a runner like no I had a two-month-old and I hadn't run for four years so um, it's this level of like this habit of forcing myself to run has kind of turned me into a runner. And I feel like it's the same way with everything in my life. Like saying, say, going to the commitments that I say yes to has turned me into a loyal person. But it's, it's, it's forcing myself to do the thing that feels maybe more unnatural or something that I don't necessarily want to do that has turned me into, yeah, I guess as you're saying, like a more um disciplined person but I I do think there's some people where the discipline piece of it comes a little bit more natural where there's habits that that they enjoy following that they the habits themselves are the things that they create because it comes out of them and I feel like for me at least it it feels a little different like I have to create habits to then like pull myself towards the the patterns that I want to follow because naturally, like I look back, yeah, I look back at myself in high school when you talked about being an athlete. It's like I didn't, I didn't go to practices. I didn't <laughs> show up at these things. I didn't turn in my homework because I didn't want to. Because there wasn't these practices. I guess I didn't see the value of what the practices themselves would have. 
And so, yeah, I guess someone now looking at me would say, oh, well, you do these things. Like, surely this is kind of what is in you. Um, but, yeah, I feel like it was really the other way around of knowing myself well enough to know if I force myself into these these healthy habits, then I will myself become more um, disciplined, I guess. Yeah, yeah totally. It makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So, so you leave and you think, I'm never coming back. Where do you go after high school? <laughs> okay, so after high school, come back for a year. The whole year I'm looking at how how do I get out of here for college. Um, and back to back to the discipline thing. I, I was, again, one of the parents, coach's parent, coach's nightmare, parent's nightmare. I was like naturally, I guess, pretty smart. But I didn't try hard at all in school. Like, I'd be the person who would get the 90, 90 to 100s on tests and have just, you know, school loop? Did you guys have that? School loop, Where uh-uh. your parents can track. It's like the, day, I mean, I'm sure it's called everything for different people, but where parents can track your homework assignments. Oh, okay. I, uh, I think that... No, I didn't have that. I admittedly, the people you referenced, like there's two camps in high school, people that are like performing for their parents, people that are performing for their peers. I totally performed for my parents. So they didn't need to keep up with (laughs) it because I was like, hey, I did this and I did awesome. And I was not naturally smart. You're the type of person that in high school, we would not have been friends, which I'm I'm (laughs) glad we're friends now. But in high school, I've been like, I I hate her. I I think I hate her (laughs) because I I had to work my butt off for everything. And I just nothing came naturally to me. Oh but my gosh. So anyways. in middle school, in middle school, it was like, you just get a report card. Whatever your end grade is, it's your end grade. So in in high school, there's this thing called school loop and it became my nightmare because it was this login internet system where you would track every assignment, every test, and it could show your parents exactly what you got. Well, before what used to work for me is like, okay, you do okay on the test and then you just don't turn to any homework and you end up with the grade that you want based on how you perform on the test. Well, now my parents would get little notifications on their email and phones <laughs> like, ping, Hiller got a zero on an assignment, ping, <laughs> another like, hey. zero. Um, yeah, so all that to say, college became super hard because I think what I, what my track would have been if I went to class and if I turned in assignments would have been very different with the track of doing okay because you perform okay but you don't turn in any of your assignments um left me with I guess fewer options I still I don't know I guess I had a few options but um I really wanted to go out of country um and ended up visiting a school in Rome Italy and coming back this is actually hilarious um I thought I was going to be a nurse no way and so, okay. yeah, I think I, I liked the flex, like the flexibility aspect of it. I was like, short amounts of work, <laughs> a lot amount of free time was my was my thought. Yeah, all the nurses out there are like, yeah, for sure. Um, and ended up, so I, I said no to this school in Italy because they didn't have a nursing program, which is... How dare God's, they? <laughs> I know, God's sovereignty over my life. So ended up the closest school I could get to Europe without being in Europe was like on the east coast a tiny little town called Charleston um I visited once actually coming home from the school I visited in Rome I stopped in Charleston yeah my sister had um like a scouting visit for soccer 
and um, ended up looking, and I walked into the administrative office, and I was like, any chance I can go here? <laughs> really, it was like as simple as walking in, and, and they were like, well, here's our little application process. It was a smaller state school, so it, it wasn't super competitive, and so ended up going there, straight out of high school for four years, spent every summer not at home in Europe, spent another like nine months abroad in in college um yeah and then went straight to texas so which is which is pretty much like italy texas and italy have a (laughs) ton of comparisons i mean fort worth you heard it here first (laughs) yeah yeah well i don't know if you know this too but i was supposed to um i was supposed to go straight out of college i had gotten a job at a hotel in London and um and so I my major was hospitality and business which again a little shift from my nursing nursing (laughs) dreams yeah there's no overlap there (laughs) yeah no you know what I actually went to called to Charleston to be a biology major and then I was going to switch out and do my nursing degree at a local school and I walked in to my first science class and literally sat there for 10 minutes and was like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> I can't do this. Walked out of my first class in, in college to the administrative office and was like, yeah, you're going to need to switch all of my classes. I do not want to do science, changing everything. So Did your parents um, also get, get an alert about that? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, college, yeah. College is like that cool but weird time in your life where you're totally independent, but not really at all. (laughs) It really, college is honestly like the biggest paradox in our society because it's like, oh, like I'm totally independent for the first time ever and I'm figuring out who I am. Mom and dad, will you please pay for this? Or mom and dad, I'm doing this. Or at least that was my experience. Oh yeah. I, when I was in college, I went into college kinesiology and walked into my first science class ever and did well in high school, like high school was fine walked into like a basic like freshman level science class walked in sat through the first lecture and was like well that that's it (laughs) first c i ever got like i failed my first test failed the first quiz failed the first test was pulling like because of like assignments was pulling like a c minus walked into the business office and was like hey i'm kinesiology and i can't do it anymore Mm. and met the sweetest woman i've ever met she was one of the advisors in that office i ended up picking a small business major uh, saved my life so I have a very similar experience but yes I, I remember oh my calling my dad like in tears I was like are you still gonna love me if I like flunk and he was <laughs> like we'll take care of it <laughs> I was like okay I love you so much you got this totally well, that goes back to my high school self it was like science you had to memorize things I was like there's no getting around showing up for test days totally. <laughs> right you know it's like you either you know it or you don't like, yeah, you're kryptonite you have to be there <laughs> business is like on time yeah business <laughs> Business, you're like, I could just write a case study. I can kind of like <laughs> oh, for sure. get around some things. But science, no, not the same. You can't BS your way out of microbiology. No, uh, totally. There's no way around it. <laughs> so you switched to? Hospitality. Business and hospitality. Yes. Cool. So why didn't England work out? So England was supposed to work out. Um, yeah, so I, I always had a dream of working at a big international hotel. Um, I wanted to be back in Europe. Again, I had, if you would have told me, if you would have told me my senior year 
that I was going to have a baby within <laughs> three years of graduating, two years, three years of graduating college, I would have been like, there is not a chance in the world. <laughs> I was on the path towards like a career. Um, I didn't even want to get married until I was 27. It was the golden age of, of my <laughs> my future marriage um but yeah so said yes to this job in london and then flew through texas hung out with my um my now husband who is not my husband at the time or boyfriend um made a a few bad decisions (laughs) um flew to california to get ankle surgery Um, And then got a call from a pastor in Texas asking me to work at the church there to do a residency program. And don't know what it was, but something about him made me trust him. Yeah, but said yes to a job. Like, I think it was a $10,000 salary for the year job working at, like, as an intern at a church. That sounds about right. Yeah, honestly, ten sounds a little high. It honestly, I think honest. you got. I think you made more than I made, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not. I'm not upset yeah. about it because it all worked out. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, get Imagine it. the conversation with my. Oh parents. my gosh! Yeah, no, that's. Oh, I don't want to. <laughs> like how yeah. how did that go down? Because I can imagine that's a drastically different career choice. Oh yeah, and my mom is amazing she is a boss she has been working since i was little owns her own business i mean is incredible um and for her college is kind of the i mean i would say for most parents is the stepping stone towards the rest of your life like whatever you choose the thought i think for most parents is you graduate college and then whatever your next step is sets you up on a platform towards just the horizon of your life and so for me they didn't necessarily want me to be in London, but the thought of working at a Marriott, downtown London, um, kind of set you up to have a great career choice. And so talking through that, there was a level of, okay, well, you're going to be far, but that's an awesome opportunity. We're all about it. Go for it. And then to say the next conversation is, you know what, mom, I really, I made a really similar career choice, but a little (laughs) different. I'm moving to Fort Worth, Texas to do an internship at a church um, to get paid pennies. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to keep my job at Starbucks so I can be a barista (laughs) on the side so I can pay my rent. Um, Very, very different conversation. I think my parents have always been like, you kind of, especially me, you make your own choices and you're going to have to live with them. And so there was, there was a level of maybe not what we would choose for you, but if you feel like this is where you need to go, then go for it. I mean, I was cut off financially, so they were like, <laughs> you do you. We have nothing to lose. <laughs> you do you. And we can be as encouraging as we choose. Yeah, yeah totally. totally. You're on your own now. Exactly. What was, yeah. it, what was it like balancing like expectations and reality when, okay, so you say no to London and yes to Fort Worth, and then that program starts, and you're like, wow, like I really – I said no to London and now I'm in Fort Worth, Texas working at a church which has a lot of its own pros and cons and is very unique Uh I think in a lot of ways. What was that season like? Was it disappointing? Was it refining? What was it like of like were there moments where you're like man I should have gone to London or man I'm so glad I'm in Fort Worth 
on a church staff not making any money? I think, honestly, a little bit of both. I think the majority was, this is obviously where I'm supposed to be. Obviously, um, the Holy Spirit has a huge a huge part in that and just God's calling. But I think just practically there was days that definitely, I mean, you're scrolling through Instagram and you see someone in Europe and you look out the window and you're like, I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> not, not necessarily Europe. Um, and then you go down the spiral of, okay, well, now that I'm not there, then I'm not going to get to do this. And then 10 years from now, where am I going to be? And will I even have a job? Do church jobs last forever? What does that mean? <laughs> so <laughs> I think that definitely. Um, but I also think when you make, at least for me, I can't speak for anyone else. When I made such a drastic choice, there was this level of I'm going to choose this and not look back because it made so little sense in in terms of logic that um that yeah I think there is just an amount of I'm gonna take this path and see where it takes me um because if I was going for the logical choice I would have been there yeah that makes sense yeah so when I first met you you were like a mystery to me because (laughs) I had known Connor for a long time and Connor had yeah. always talked about this girl Hillary that he was just obsessed with. And to be completely honest, like I wasn't totally sure that you existed. Um, <laughs> just just this girl that he was always talking about, who yeah. just like had always had a crush on, but couldn't quite seem to like convince her to date him. Um, what what happened there? Yeah. Okay. So that's a huge piece of the puzzle. <laughs> um, Shout out to Connor. So Connor. Yeah. Connor was in Texas too. So it wasn't just me going for, um, for the, the church salary and the beautiful Fort Worth, Texas, which Fort Worth <laughs> uh, is awesome. But that clicks, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so Connor was there as well. Um, and you knew, yeah, him, you knew so him before. I knew him before. I knew him from high school. And so, going back to talking about me from high school, I'm sure everyone who's listening could kind of get a picture of that person. Okay, contrast that with Connor. Like, he would hate me saying this. (laughs) Like, typical youth group on the straight and narrow path towards (laughs) just glory. Um, I knew I I liked him. (laughs) (laughs) And so, my parents loved him. My sisters loved him. My sister's boyfriends, who are now husbands, loved him. He was just the guy you want your daughter to date, the guy you want your sister to date, Um, which, of course, knowing me at the time, was, like, another reason why I will never date him. He's like, I'm going to date the opposite. Um, You're like, just on principle. I'm going to go for, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. just purely (laughs) because everyone loves him, we're going to choose the opposite. So I I think the idea of me moving... To Texas there was a level of like if the idea of me going far away chasing my career I was gonna close that door at least for the moment um, Connor had been the stable consistent wholesome good person in my life for the last five years um, and I definitely wasn't that way towards him we had we were like the, there was a few years of the like they're dating but not dating. Everyone who's listening knows that life. <laughs> you know, the, like yeah. 
<laughs> we're we're a thing. We're talking. Um, we're talking. We're talking. <laughs> so Connor took that as we're on the path towards marriage, <laughs> and my interpretation of that was very different. <laughs> um, all that to say, I wish he, he was, was here. Another. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. So I think that was another level of moving to Texas that if the door was closing towards all these things I thought I wanted giving that a shot as well like a a true shot was was part of the the formula of choosing to be in Texas and obviously um, dating a guy like Connor the guy that at 16 I didn't want at 21 and now at 28 is the guy you actually want so if anyone's listening to this the bad guys are like fun toward to like 17 and then you don't want that's not who you want to marry necessarily i mean you can you can edit that out no 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 you do you that's bad advice yeah you do you but also listen to your wise friends yeah (laughs) Um, so yeah so he was in texas as well and so that that relationship started really started when I moved there. Yeah. So what was the moment when you had kind of in your mind crossed over to, Oh, I actually like this guy. Like this guy, I think I want him to be my husband. Um, I think there was a huge moment for me. I actually don't know if you guys know the story. You'll appreciate it though. Um, where Connor and I again had been friends for a long time, kind of dated, kind of not. And, um, I had just told him I was moving to Texas to do the same program that he was doing at this church. Looking back now, I'm like, there was probably, he had probably something to do with that. But (laughs) I called him up just to like fill him in as if he didn't know that I was moving (laughs) there. (laughs) And he was actually uh, in the car on the way home from a trip to Colorado. And he said, okay, it was Easter. And he said, all right, well, if you would like to date, then now's your, now's your chance. <laughs> we're, really, we're either really going to date or, word for word, I just don't really need another friend. And I was like, okay. And so I hung up and then called him back about 10 minutes later and was like, so how's your Easter going? And he had, um, he had, I don't know who it was in the car, someone we know, put a timer on. And he said, if, if this timer hits like 10 minutes, then let me know. So, of course, I'm just making I'm anything. I'm like, how's the weather in Texas? What's going on? And then the timer goes off. And Connor's like, hey, so remember how I said I didn't really need any more friends? Is there something you wanted to talk about? Or did you just, <laughs> <laughs> did you just call? Just no. to chat. And I was like, yeah, I guess I didn't really have anything to talk about. And, he's, and he said, all right, well... I don't want to talk to you unless you are choosing to date me. And so I was like, all right, well, the answer is no. Thanks anyways. Hang up. And then 10 minutes later, I was like, okay, fine. Fine. (laughs) We can date. No way. And I feel like, honestly, it was the stubbornness of just, I think, like with with the London thing, it was the stubbornness of I don't, I have this life that looks really glamorous that I want. Um... And this wholesome, great guy and this awesome church um, just didn't really fit into the, like, the career, the being single, the moving away. 
And Connor was always great. I always liked him, but it was more of a, if we date, then that means marriage soon. And that means this whole other path that I thought I was choosing against. Um, and so, yeah, moving to Texas, I think our relationship went really fast because I think once I, I mean, first of all, we knew each other for a long time. But second, it was like once I chose the, okay, fine, let's date, it was this like letting go of the stubbornness of I want all these things. Um, and I feel like God's leading me in a direction that's not necessarily what I would have dreamed of at 16, yeah. but feels right. Brooke. Joshua. Got exciting news. Tell me more. Our friends at Golden Ratio Coffee just released a brand new flavor called Golden Milk. It can't be bad. It cannot be bad, specifically because they take a bunch of turmeric, some black pepper, and some vanilla flavors to create a smooth, mellow flavor that has a little uh, subtle spicy note at the end. I would drink that. Yeah. And the best part is that if you go to drinkgoldenratio.com and use code NOWHEREClose at checkout, you get 15% off your purchase of the very limited edition Golden Milk. I think our listeners should finish the show and then go to that website and use our code and purchase it. Sounds great. <laughs> so again, drinkgoldenratio.com and use code NOWHEREClose at checkout. What do you think was so attractive about your original plan for your life? And I ask that because I think that everyone has a vision or a plan mm -hmm. for their mm -hmm. life. And oftentimes, I think how our life actually plays out looks nothing like the life that we kind of envisioned. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like even Haley and I joke all the time, like her vision for her life was she was going to move back to Orange County. She's going to marry some surfer dude and they were going to have towhead babies. Honestly, it was your mm -hmm. life. You're, <laughs> like, like it was to have like a bunch of little Nixons like running around, right, um, on the beach. But like, you know, our life is great, but it's nothing compared to what she thought mm -hmm. that it would be. Why do you think your initial vision for your life is so attractive? Man, I don't know. I think part of growing up where I did, and part of my personality, is like I want nothing like everyone else here wants. I think it felt so routine and there was a level of this feels boring and everyone's just getting married young and having babies young and I want to be different, I think was part of it. I think there was a lever level of culture, like outside culture, that promotes the idea of going far away and achieving things and success and kind of like figuring things out on your own and not needing anyone else. And so I'm sure that played into it. Um, yeah, I don't know, it's so interesting because I say all this stuff like it's everyone's dream, but like you said, everyone's dream is so different. Right. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't know what, I don't know what it is when you're little that makes you think this out there is what I want. And I'm sure for some people that's what they want and then they go chase it and they get it and it's exactly what they want but for me I think there was so much pride kind of mixed into it that it was if I go do all this stuff then at the end of the day I could look back and say well yeah I planned it like I I did all those things I got the degree I chose to move away I lived by myself I wasn't married so I didn't have the help of a husband like I did all this stuff 
Um, and then I'm standing figuratively on the life I'd created and said like, well, yeah, I mean, like I did it all. Look at, look at my track record. It was all me. Um, and so I think that was so much of it. And that was so much of what was giving up of that when I, I think the decision to move to Texas and the decision to date Connor, knowing we would probably get married was this letting go of achieving all the things that I, I kind of wanted and wanted other people to notice, I'm sure. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and I think that's so insightful. And the, and to me, the reverse of that is if I don't accomplish what I've set out to accomplish, then there's a feeling of that I fail, mm-hmm. right? Like, because mm-hmm. like, no one really grows up hearing that like the plan can change, right? Like no one, oh, yeah. no totally. one, no one grows up as like adaptability as a core value, right? It's always like, that's, oh, a, re- yeah. that's a really good point. Like here's the goal, either sink or swim, make it or don't. And I feel like to have a clear dream vision for your life of like, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then to say, I don't think that's what I'm going to do. I know that for me, I'm wired in a very similar way of like, does that mean that I failed? Does that mean that I like gave mm-hmm. up on my dream? Does that mean that I, mm. I'm lazy? Like, I don't know. Like, like there's all these other yeah. things that go along with the two. So anyway, I think that's really yeah. fascinating. I think with that too, I realized a lot lately about myself is the idea of being happy to me is something that is really important. And I think that I used to think if you do what you what you think you want to do, then you're going to end up happy. And I feel like it wasn't until we had our daughter, who was a, su- a huge surprise, <laughs> was huge surprise, was the level of like, oh, wait, happiness isn't something that you like necessarily chase after and then you achieve. And I always thought, I think for me, it might have been less of like achieving a goal success wise. It was more of I'm going to do all this stuff because at the end I'm going to be really happy because this is the life that I think I want. Right. And then making these choices and living really poor in Texas <laughs> and marrying a guy really early, I think so much of it showed me like, oh wait, no, like joy and happiness is in the moment by moment. It's not this thing that you go chase after X, Y, and Z and one day you'll hit it and then you'll be really happy because you have right. all that you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you are happy in the here and now not because you have all of what you want. And as I'm realizing, like, I wouldn't, happiness, even at, if I had everything I wanted, I still not, might not be happy because yeah. it's not about those things. But I think me and I'm sure other people are wired so deeply. Like, if you chase after what you want, then at the end, the the culmination of all of it is joy. And I think... For me, that was more important than success. It was more important than achievement or achieve, like getting to the goals. It was, I want to have everything that I want so that I'll be happy. Yeah. You know? It makes total sense. Have Have you seen the uh, study on where happiness peaks as it relates to income? Mm. Yes. It's yes. fascinating, right? Fascinating. Like, it, yeah. It's like $75,000, right? Like, you know... Mm-hmm. Like happiness go goes up, but then after that, it's like after your basic needs are met and you have a little extra cash in the bank, it just goes down. 
And I thought that was yeah. so crazy because that's not what we're taught. That's not what we see. It's like, oh, yeah. like the more I have, the happier I am. But like there's empirical data that says, no, it's actually the opposite. There's a point where like you are taken care of and that's where happiness peaks. And then from then happiness is completely mm-hmm. unrelated to your income. Yeah, which is wild. I think it's fascinating too because like, again, I think we we touch on this almost every episode of this idea of like, man, to be human is so like the same from one person to the next, like at the Mm -hmm. root, like we're all way more similar than we would ever think to wish or dream up or realize. Like, I think sometimes we always strive, like, I think there's two camps generally of like, man, I want to be unique and different or I just want to be status quo. Like, I don't want to make waves. I want to fit in. I just want to stay in my lane. Mm And you find those two lanes. and But I also think in the midst of that, we're really all doing, like, how gracious is it that you did figure that out without getting what you thought you wanted? Like, you could have gone to oh, England yeah. and done that and been miserable. And then you'd be like, oh, it's because it's not about that. But how gracious was mm-hmm. it that you went a different path entirely and were able to figure that out in the midst of pursuing what you ended up pursuing and realizing, man, like, the root and the core is so much different because even that study of like, you know, there is that cap even financially on where you're doing well is because materialism has a limit, right? And like, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't feed the most uh, innate part of who we, like to be human is to be made in the image of God. And part of that is the way I describe it is, to be human is to be made in the image of God. And to be made in the image of God is you were created for God, which means you were created to worship, you were created to worship and you're given free will. So you worship whatever you want. But the way God designed it is, I describe it as like, you have a hole in you that's God-shaped. And because you have free will, you can try to fill that hole with whatever you want. But until you fill it with the Lord and make decisions based on what that looks like, you won't be satisfied. And I think that's why there's a cap on things across the board for all humans. Like, believer, non-believer, agnostic, atheist, it doesn't matter. Like, there's a cap on income, and it plummets. And there's a cap on materialistic things, and it plummets. And marriage isn't necessarily the answer right right? and and the dream job isn't the answer and having a kid isn't necessarily the answer the answer is okay how am i filling that that hole yeah um i think that's fascinating that just that just blows my mind how it's so succinct yeah totally for sure i think also even like thinking of where i am now there's i think sometimes people i mean now it's like we own our business and it's doing better than we thought it would and we have three kids and we live close to the water and I think a lot of the times people will be like well yeah like aren't you so happy that your business is doing well or aren't you so happy this and this week my mother-in-law's been out of town and my parent my kids split time with her in daycare and so I've been home with them and there's so many days where I'm like I could be a stay-at-home mom like our whole business could crumble and I could be home and I feel like the the happiness or the of like the success of our business and then growing a garden in our backyard and making my kids peanut butter and jellies for lunch it's like <laughs> one isn't greater than the other yeah. and one isn't going to make me happier than the other and I think there was this time when we started our business a while back that you think well if I just hit this level I'll be so happy and I'll be fine like that if I hit 10,000 followers on Instagram if we hit half a million in sales like all these things you're like if I hit that number I'll be so content I'll be so happy um and then you hit those 
and you're like, oh, well, like, cool. Now what? You know? <laughs> right, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like just another and goal that I hit. Yep. But yeah. hitting a goal doesn't satisfy. Totally. And, like, it doesn't having – yeah, having an office. Like when we we thought, okay, when we move into an office, when we get our first employee, when we get our tenth employee, like these milestones of once we hit here, I'll be so content. Like it'll just be smooth sailing after that. And then you hit that, and it's like, well, then what? You go home, you take a shower, and you go to bed. Like <laughs> it's not. It's cool. It's like a. It's a. It's cool if you're looking at it through the lens of wow, God has like blessed us with this this is awesome like praise him and how sweet we get to live this life but if it's if you're looking at it like this is a goal once I hit it it's going to be this new level of joy that I haven't been able to experience then you hit it and then you're really disappointed you're like all right well it must just be if I if we do better next year then that will be where I where I see it um, I feel like I'm learning, Danielle and I, my business partner and sister, are learning so much lately. It's like, you can get you can get in that mindset and miss out on your whole life. And then you look back, even for weeks, we'll get there through busy sales and we're like, okay, if we just do X, Y, and Z, then we're going to hit this goal and then we're going to be really happy for the rest of the year. And then you do and then you look back and you're like, well, what did we miss to get there? And like that leaving work early to go on a run, it's like that joy and contentment could have been there equally as much as it was pushing this sale so we hit X more dollars. Right. And hmm. you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. That leads me to kind of the next thing I wanted to make sure we covered with you. You own your own business and you own, operate it, run it with your sister. And you actually started it, I think, in college. But now it's yeah. like blown yeah. up and been this whole big thing. Walk us through that, and also like, what is what's that been like? Like as a as a young woman, as a college student, starting a business and just being like, oh, this is a cool side project, and then it obviously has like taken off so huge from there. Walk us through like what that experience has has been like. Yeah, so I feel like we're not the typical, I would say, entrepreneur business owners. I think for my sister and I. It was so much of kind of filling a need that we saw where we wanted jewelry that was handmade and could have a personal touch to it. And so we started making it. And then from there, we got all these people's stories because they want di- wanted different words. And then, of course, we were like, well, why do you want those words? You know, your first, your first sale of someone that's not a family member and they order something <laughs> and you're like emailing them so hey I know this is weird but like why did you order this <laughs> why did you trust our website <laughs> but I think from there we love the mission and but we I mean if you would have asked us even five years ago we would have we started it six and a half years ago if we if you would have asked us three years ago we would have we would have never thought it would have been a full-time full-time job I think we are more we were filling a need for ourselves, and then it kind of grew and we got super interested and loved the mission of hearing these stories but we always thought we'd have other jobs always I mean that's why I was going to move to London and we had our business at that point for two years but it was never something we really thought we would do full-time and or wanted to do full-time neither of us like set out to be entrepreneurs or business owners um and I mean I probably shouldn't say this but 
neither of us really care that much about jewelry. That sounds <laughs> awful. We sell jewelry. That's what we do. But and we cared a lot about again, like receiving people's stories yeah. and finding ways to share those and the community we created. I mean, the day we hired our first employee it was like, oh my gosh, we get to lead people and we get to foster this community and team aspect. But yeah, it wasn't we didn't just have like a knack for jewelry. Neither yeah. of us are fashion yeah. people. Um so yeah, never thought we'd do it full time and moved back to California with a kid in and a half, growing a kid in <laughs> whatever, uh June of 2018, I believe. Um and I mean, was moving back but didn't really have a job, was starting grad school. I was going down the route of being a professor. And my sister was working at a surf company, but we were doing it on the side. And then at some point it kind of grew a little bit bigger than we could do while also having other jobs. And so um, we kind of took the route of we either close this, which we didn't want to do, or we kind of try to see if this will work as our full-time job. Um, And so that was 2000, fall of 2018. And I feel like from there, yeah, the Lord really blessed it. And I think now we're at a place where we see it more as, um, I mean, obviously it's fun. It's so fun to, and to like dream up stuff and to be able to lead a team and kind of have people catch the vision. We care so deeply about the purpose of it and the sharing of stories and creating things that will last for years and can be passed down. But I think it's more of how do we steward this thing that God is obviously growing? Because anyone knows from running a business or even I'm from the consumer end, like you can't, you can create something that you think is really cool, but you cannot force people to buy it. Yeah, And so totally. that is such or to a listen tangible, to <laughs> or to listen to it. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> like you can't force people to do that. And so, so much of that, I mean, all of that is obviously there's marketing, but even marketing, you're really like, you're trying to make people do something, but it's up to the, the people to do it, especially when you're, working with strangers. Um, And so there's this level of, if God is blessing this, this is his hand like working through our business. And for some reason he's decided to bless it in this moment. So that means now we're responsible for this. Like we're responsible for like to God for what he's doing to this business and that could be for us business obviously I feel like that way with my kids with my marriage other people probably feel that way with their jobs um there's a level of like whatever prosperity quote-unquote not even financially but just in growth and team members um and customers it's like one day I'm gonna go up to heaven and God's gonna ask what I did with this and so it's awesome and that it's growing and there's a lot of fun pieces, but there's also this heavy level of responsibility that I think we've we've felt the weight of recently um, as it's growing of just this is something that we have been chosen to steward and now it's our responsibility to walk in that. Yeah. What are some of the coolest stories that y'all have heard? Like obviously y'all are very involved in the story side of things. Uh, what are yeah. some of those? So lately, that has been, that's always been our mission from the beginning. And obviously in seasons, as as we grow, it's something that 
has gotten lost and we've had to bring back. And now what's really cool is there's someone on our team who is hired purely to be our storyteller. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, and that's so, so cool. Yeah, it's been so cool. Actually, she was our first employee. Her name's Edith. She's incredible. She is the heart of an angel. She has <laughs> the most compassionate, empathetic heart in the world. And she has been through one of the hardest life paths of anyone I know. Um, and so she was our first employee, got hired on 2018, and she actually sat with us in um, last end of last year. And last year was a big growth year for us, and, and we did a review with her. I think by that time we had eight, eight or nine of us, and she sat with us, and she basically was like, yeah, this is great. I'm glad that you're growing, but like, where we don't care about stories the way we used to. Or she was like, we might, but like, where's the proof of that? And it really, really, God used her to speak to Danielle and I. And so after that, we're like, all right, so we heard what you said. And now <laughs> your full-time job at this office is going to be to make sure that we treat this, these stories with um, just the weight at which they deserve. Yeah. And so what's been really cool about that is um, we get to handwrite so as of November, we're working through everyone on our team gets like between five and 10 stories a week and we handwrite oh, wow. them back just saying thank you, um, keeping up with them. And so they'll get a handwritten letter that's basically like training us and everyone on our team because it gets so it gets so easy to just make jewelry and you see the stories, but they come through on our site. And so unless you're on our site, you don't see them. And so now Edith has been writing them all down for us. And then we get a sheet of like five or six and we get to read the stories where they're from and then actually communicate back to them. And so what, what's been really cool is over Christmas time hearing, I think, I think something that struck us, I think a lot of people in our office have been through a lot of loss lately, mm. um, especially in 2020. Um, one of our employees lost their son who's wow. nine months old. Um, another girl was struggling with um, infertility. We had loss of like loss of employees who were here and then had to go back to other things. And so, yeah, it was just a really rough year. A lot of our friends had babies that either like through miscarriage or um, like crazy fluke situations have just been struggling. So um, Christmas was crazy because we heard so many stories of loss, especially of kids. I feel like that's been a, a deep one for us. So now writing back to these people, we had one and she's given us permission to share but um, a girl who she had, she's, she's a twin, and she had a sister whose baby died at 37 weeks pregnant, oh like gosh. a stillborn. And she got pregnant sometime in that, and the baby was born on that other, like her twin's baby's due date. Oh my and so oh, she wow. got an ornament with um, the first birthday of both of them and gave one to her sister and one for her. Oh which my was, gosh. That was one of the ones that I responded to. But yeah. Wow, that's it's, it's kind of a it's a heavy, powerful. I feel like Edith's job, especially like making, again, because it's easy to kind of fulfill orders, read them, and go on. But having to handwrite back to people is just another level of, like, having to like feel the weight of these people who totally they get a twenty dollar ornament, and you can kind of be like, all right, well, off on your merry way, um, and you never read the story, and then you sit down and you read that and. You're like, this is a real 
human being living in Minnesota who has a real story and we get to be just a tangible part of this ornament that hopefully will impact them for years and years. Um, but yeah. Well, cause I mean, I can ima- like imagine too, if someone orders something and they just put a word on there, that word by itself doesn't mean anything to you and I without context. It's the mm. context of why that word matters is what really makes it beautiful. And I can imagine that, as you guys get to see more and more of the context of why people want to wear certain words or phrases or initials or dates, um, it's like, wow, there's so much happening in the world that we don't even know about and we just get to be a part of. Like, that's that's huge. For sure. And I feel like so much of that goes back to why Danielle and I keep doing this. Our famous line in the office, we, and we tell each other this all the time, because there are... S- days and seasons that honestly just suck (laughs) there's times where you're like bit off more than you could chew and you have way too many orders to fulfill and you're running out of time and you're not spending the holidays with your family because you're in the office at 1 a.m and you're like why are we doing this um and so our famous line is like if this ever just becomes a jewelry company then let's quit because (laughs) the world doesn't need another jewelry company we could go we don't need to have this job if we just are selling jewelry which for other people that's awesome like handmade goods that's great it employs people it's awesome but for us we don't care enough about jewelry (laughs) to do this as our job and to be up in an office at 1 a.m not with our families but because we get to hear these stories and really connect with people and we think that wearing something with a word that can share a story really matters it makes all the rest of it seem like, of course, of course we'll be, we'll do any of this because that's this stuff actually for, at least we believe for this life and for eternity will really matter. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Honestly, I could not be more proud to be partnered up with our spare change. Cause I me too. You guys rock. Thanks guys. You know, most of us are nowhere close to famous, but it sure feels good when the people that love us make us feel like a big deal. And a great way to do that is with a gift from Our Spare Change. And now that we're right in the heat of summer with wedding parties and Father's Day and so many gift-giving opportunities, Our Spare Change is a perfect one-stop shop for gifts for the people in your life to make them feel like such a big deal. Our Spare Change creates custom handcrafted jewelry that's created to specifically tell stories. You can get a special date or a meaningful phrase engraved on their stylish cuffs or even personalize it with a name. Not only that, but they've also got the cutest earrings and rings, and for the dudes in your life, they have tie bars, cuffs, bookmarks, and keychains. We love this Southern California-based company and their passion for telling stories. So, let Our Spare Change help you and the people in your life share your story by using promo code NOWHEREClose to get 20% off your purchase at OurSpareChange.com. Can we ask you some fun questions before we let you go? Yes, please. Okay, one of our favorite questions to ask, and we ask all of our guests this question, is what are some of your, as we call them, oddly specific love languages? So things that are unique to you that make you just feel so loved and just so cherished. Okay, I'm a huge gifts person, which people don't expect. (laughs) For the first couple of years of our marriage, we tell everyone it's quality time. And I'm like, 
I like hanging out with you because you're my husband. But like, sure. if you're gonna show me love, I <laughs> hanging like, out with you is like awesome. But that's yeah. kind of like part of the deal, yeah. you know? Yeah. You're like buy something and put okay. a bow on it. <laughs> yes. So I love gifts, and I love very specific, tiny little at the right moment gifts. So, for example, if I came home from this interview, and there was a like sparkling water, probably a Topo Chico, grapefruit flavored, and like a pack of gum just sitting on my coffee table. That would be the best gift in the world. I'm going to text Connor so, right now. Yeah, yeah, text him right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, text Connor. Well, and here's the other thing. I'm a huge surprise person. So I feel like surprise gifts, it has to kind of come hand in hand. I'm not someone who's like, no shame to anyone who does this. But for Christmas and stuff... Like, I'm not, like, an Amazon list person. Okay, I'm yeah. like, if I want to buy either. myself something, I will save up. And it's the surprise. Like, I tell Connor every year I'd rather have something I don't like that's a surprise <laughs> than get the thing I want but know it's <laughs> no note, note to self-mail or something. <laughs> that's so oh, funny. Oh, yeah. Like, anything that's a surprise. So, yeah, that's that's the love language for sure. Okay. That's fa- That's a great answer. And, and oddly specific. I, oddly specific. Yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> Grapefruit, Topo Chico, and gum. Oh, well, right now. Pack of gum. Right. But as long as it's a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could send her that as in a week a and she'll forget and it'll yeah, be yeah. a surprise. Honestly. You're right. Um, you're right. Okay. What is your go-to party story? Meaning that if you're at a party and there's kind of a lull in conversation and you need something to kind of get the people going, what's your like go-to story to tell? Oh, my gosh. Okay, well... Here's the thing. Do I know people at the party or is it strangers? Totally up to you. That's a great question, though, because that does affect what story you choose. Okay, so here's here's the thing is Connor and I have entered this weird stage in our life where since we're so young and we have so many children, (laughs) that in itself feels like enough to when you're around strangers be like, hey, so what do you do? They're like, yeah, this is my girlfriend and I like whatever, work at this marketing job. Like, what do you do? Well, we have three children and yes, we're the same age of you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's usually my go-to. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, and honestly, that kind of works with both groups because I feel like even our friends forget like how many kids (laughs) we have most days. And I would imagine that y'all have new stories every week. Like there's something happening every week along those lines. I feel like Nixon's always getting into something. Yeah. Nixon on his own is a party story. <laughs> if you just bring Nixon around anywhere you go. You just cut him oh loose God, during the party and just watch and you're like, you're welcome. Oh, yeah. Today I was at the beach with him and he ran, you know, like lifeguard towers to the sand. Yeah. There's a there's a pretty big gap between like where the lifeguard tower ends and the, the sand. And I'm like hanging out with my other kids and Nixon, like, next thing I know is jumping off the lifeguard tower, like, full belly flop into the <laughs> sand. And, of course, I'm with all the other moms. And, like, mom judgment is a huge thing. It's <laughs> you always look like the nanny. It's like, all right. He like, where's, like where's, the where's, where's these kids? Where's these kids' mom? They're like, that like, young, cute girl does not have three kids. <laughs> they're like, this is your, yeah, whatever. So, um, so, yeah, I, like, have to walk over. He knocked the wind out of himself, so he's sobbing. I'm like, 
this is just day in the life of, of Nixon. That's so funny. I want to be as fearless as Nixon in my day to day. Yeah. I feel like I would accomplish Honestly, so much more. Honestly, same. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Last question. This pod, okay. this podcast is called Nowhere Close to Famous. However, if you could be famous for one thing, what would that be? Huh. Okay. This is the lamest answer ever. And everyone is going to judge me nope. so hard. Nope. Not at all. I really want, I feel dumb even saying it. We were talking about this in our office one day. I would love to be married to someone famous. All right. Because I don't actually want to be famous. I just want all the perks of being famous. <laughs> sure. Fair, yeah. So I would love to be only famous by relationship to someone who actually has the skill of the famous person. Okay. Yeah, it's like you're John Krasinski's wife, which he has one. Exactly. But it's like, yeah. Like, I... Yes, like I'm tracking. Oh, you're Jimmy Fallon's wife. Right. Oh, okay. No, I think you made the right choice. Connor is the absolute man. The man. And and honestly, I feel like if anyone has the potential to become famous at some point in time, Connor has that ability. Yeah, that's yeah. So all hope isn't lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. There's still a chance. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Don't pack up and leave Connor. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Give him his due. I. He can make it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you're, you're Jimmy Fallon's assistant. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. could do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. awesome. Well, Hill, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. I know you got a business and a bunch of kids, and it means a lot. Appreciate it. Guys, thank you. No, you're you awesome. The best. We love you a I'm lot. I'm really proud of you guys. Thanks. This is a cool. This is a cool thing. That's fun. That means a lot coming from you. Yeah. I, I think the world of you, so thanks for sitting and chatting with us. You're awesome. Thank you, yeah. guys. And we'll see you soon because, I mean, we're business partners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll probably get an email me f- from me tomorrow after. <laughs> yeah, totally. After looking at those sales. Yeah, totally. All, All right. right. Thanks, girl. See you soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our interview with Hillary. And if you did, there's many more just like it coming your way. So make sure that you hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're at it, do us a favor and leave us a rate or review. That means a ton to us. And we would love to hear from our listeners. And also, if you want to keep up with us, follow us on Instagram at Nowhere Close to Famous Pod. That's right. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Stay ordinary.